You're listening to The Low and No Show, a podcast that tells the inspiring stories from brands and the founders. My name is Johnny Stevens, the founder of Better Without, the app that helps people discover low and no drinks. I'm sitting down with guests to hear their stories, learn about their products and the lessons they've learned. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Low and No Show. I am here with Mark um, from Liars. I don't really think I need to do much of an intro on Liars as they are everywhere and really making noise within the Low and No industry. So hello, Mark. Hey, Johnny. Good to, good to be here with you today. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. So I'm, I'm intrigued in terms of how you got into low and no um you are obviously making a massive amount of noise so can you talk to me about the i suppose why you got into it and and what you're doing sure um so i guess everyone's got their own individual founder story and they're all super interesting some people arrive there for personal reasons some people love to put things together in kitchens or behind bars um ours is a little different um I have a marketing background. Um, I'm the founder of uh, Australia's largest independent marketing agency, Kinetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sits within a broader group of companies called the Brandlink Group. Um, and Brandlink Group is basically a, a big stack of businesses that provide marketing services to multinational consumer goods companies. Mm-hmm. So guys like Diageo, Pernod Ricard, Moet Hennessy, Constellation, those are our clients. Um, and we've been very, very good at providing them marketing services for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So good, in fact, um, we've been recognised in that group as uh, one of Australia's fastest growth companies. Wow. Uh, now for a record equaling fifth year in the Australian Financial Review. Um, and also it's led to me being awarded with an Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year finalist, Guernsey for Australia. Amazing. So, I guess we're in a bit of a unique position in that we knew beverage, but from the outside in. (laughs) So we got loads and loads of knowledge, courtesy of osmosis coming to us on what you do to build and market and and run a successful spirits, wine or beer Mm. brand. So for me, we were thinking, you know, we'd love to do our own consumer product. Um, And the, the motivation was let's do something to get closer to the clients. Let's understand their trials and tribulations and we'll do something that doesn't compete with any of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's go do a non-alcoholic spirit because we don't see anyone doing that. This was around five years ago. Um, And um, we started working on it before we even knew that there were other non-alcoholic spirits on the market. Mm. So yeah, it was, was, uh, we thought we were very clever. Yeah. No one's going to think of this. Um, So we identified this opportunity. And the reason we identified the non-alcoholic spirits category is um, we saw these incredible tailwinds pushing the health, wellness, and lifestyle. Uh, We call it a mega trend. This this Mm. mega trend is washing over us. And it began around 15 years ago, we think. Do you remember when wheatgrass shots appeared in every like juice bar and donut shop and then they disappeared very quickly? That was the first sort of volley of health and wellness starting to enter into the mainstream. Um, So we ended up picking uh, the spirits category. We'd seen that there's non-alcoholic beers on the market Mm -hmm. and to do a non-alcoholic beer, it's very capital intensive. You need to find a lot of money and put into it. We looked at wine. Wine is incredibly difficult. Yeah. Incredibly difficult. Um, 
and it's incredibly difficult to get a high quality product as well. So we landed on spirits um, and we had a couple of hypotheses. Um, we didn't want to present new flavors. Most of the products on the market that we see are providential expressions where mm -hmm. it's, hey, I'm from this part of the world. These are the botanicals that I find around myself. I'm going to put yeah. them into a beverage. Yeah. I hope you like it. The other is an individual expression where it's like, hi, I'm a great chef or liquid chef. I'm going to put a recipe together and I hope mm. you like it. For us, we always thought that there was far more power and far more appeal to a consumer to build an analog of a flavor that they already knew and loved. Mm -hmm. So we set out to recreate the world's most popular spirits and their flavor profiles in a non-alcoholic format. Mm. And after three years of R&D, we were successful. And uh, we ended up with what are now 13 non-alcoholic mm -hmm. spirits in the Liars range. And with those 13, you can create 42 of the world's top 50 cocktails. Wow. So very <laughs> proud. Very proud of that. And for us, getting a range that was as simple as reaching for a different bottle to make mm. a drink that you already knew as a bartender or already loved as a, as a consumer was a really powerful and frictionless proposition. Mm. So that's how Lies came to be or why it came to be. Yeah. Amazing. And I, I think what's really clever is that range of products because you, as you say, you've replicated the what is in the alcohol world and being able to really easily go, okay, if you are a bartender, people know what to do with, you know, the American malt or, and, and it's very easy for them to go, okay, well, I know I normally do these cocktails. So it's, it, it's a very straightforward process. I think it as well as it's, I suppose it breaks down that initial barrier of, of where some brands have the challenge of going over. This is what you need to do with it. If it's got it on the name already, you know, it's an American malt straight away bartenders can go great. I know what to do with it. Yep. Totally. And, and having that frictionless uh, thing is so, so important. I mean, if you like bourbon, you like this. If you like gin, you like this. If you like Aperol, you like this. Um, and it's, it's really, really resonating. And I guess that's part of or a core pillar of why we've been so successful today. Yeah. And it, I, I think it's um, as well, it's being able to go to a bar group and go, this is a whole range. You yeah. know, it, it, it's, I mean, one, they look amazing and they look high end. And it means that behind the bar, it's, you know, you can have a nice array of, of different drinks. And mm -hmm. actually, you know, as you say, beer is, I mean, there's so many beers and it's amazing. And, and, and they keep getting better and better and better. Um, sure. Wine, as you say, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, some have cracked it, but it is, it is a challenge. I think it's, I think it's going to go, you know, there's going to be a lot of effort because anyone that cracks the wine if anyone can crack a red wine and do it really well, they will absolutely smash it. But yeah, as you say, spirit, it, it makes it really easy. And also not forgetting that actually, and especially pandemic time, um, mm. people are at home. You know, we aren't all mixologists. We don't know what necessarily to do with it. So how, from a consumer point of view, how have you had to shift that in terms of educating the consumer on what to do with them? Sure. Um, 
Yeah, look, you've you've articulated one of the most important challenges to our category, actually, is one is education. But before that even happens, we're still struggling with awareness. Mm. Um, our research is telling us that it's somewhere between one and two adults in all Western markets know that non-alcoholic spirits exist. Really? It's wow. pretty amazing. <laughs> um, if you look at things like non-alcoholic beer, that's scoring much higher. That's sort of six in 10 adults know that non-alcoholic beer exists. Um, so there's so much headroom in the category just mm. from growing awareness. We'll think we'll naturally pick up organically people coming into the space because they realize there's an alternative in place. But the education piece has always been critical. Um, for us, we ever since we began, and we began as a digital first brand, um, I'm not sure if you've seen our website, uh, mm. but yeah, there's over 200 cocktail recipes yeah. on there. Our YouTube channel's exploding with how-to. Because <laughs> um, we identified really, really early on that people search the category. And if anyone knows how to navigate Google and mm. has a marketing lens, people look for a non-alcoholic version of their favorite drink. They don't look for a non-alcoholic spirit. So... Mm. I want a non-alcoholic old-fashioned. I'm not going to look for non-alcoholic bourbon. Yeah, yeah. Non-alcoholic old-fashioned. So like, right, this is interesting. This, this behavior and this is how mm. people are coming into the category. We have to lean into this. Mm. So um, we spend a lot of time putting recipes together. Our uh, global brand ambassador lead, Jeremy Shipley, is an extraordinary mixologist, um, well-respected around the world. There's not a bar I don't walk into with Jeremy or Jez. <laughs> And people go, it's Jeremy Shipley. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting him on the team early was amazing. And yeah. um, he's Small constantly move. in his kitchen cooking these things up and working out the ways to build the perfect old-fashioned using Lyre's products. Um, but we had a really, it was a, a lovely moment in a moment of chaos and sadness. So when the pandemic struck, um, we had brand ambassadors out there in the field, close to 25 of them in the mm. business. Now more than 50 staff in the Lies business. Wow. Um, but back at the beginning of the pandemic, there were 25 guys all in the field, all working with bars, doing exactly what we've just unpacked, mm. raising awareness, doing education and showing people how to make great drinks with them. And then all of a sudden there's no one to sell to. There's no yeah. bars. So we're like, right, that's a lot of mouths to feed. That's a lot of people that mm. we don't want to see go on the bread line. And at the time there was no, you know, government support packages and the like. We were just mm. there going, what do we do? So we like, I said, we have to save these jobs. We have to find out a way to keep these guys working. Um, so we ended up putting a, a really quite clever in hindsight, but it was just, you know, panic business mm. response at the time. <laughs> um, we offered free mixology lessons for anyone who purchased Liars Online and it exploded. So e-commerce went from sort of 10% of our revenue mix in February to close to 90 in March because people wow. were just like inside, what do I do? Mm. Uh, they had a lot more time. They're exploring the category. They found our brand and then they got the education along with it. So across our brand ambassador base, we've delivered more than 4,000 hours of in-home training via Zoom. Wow. <laughs> we had some consumers come back four or five times and they keep buying products in order to get more lessons. <laughs> some of them are requesting their favorite brand ambassador. So uh, in your part of the world, Danny in the UK is, uh, is quite popular. 
Um, he's a little bit crazy, but um, <laughs> I feel like I need a session with him now. You do, you do. He's 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 endlessly entertaining and incredibly passionate about the category and such a wonderful man. Um, but that brought you know lies into people's living mm. living rooms and helped them work out how to use the product. And it's built extraordinary brand loyalty. Um, and I'd like to think it's a, a real key for why we've been so successful to date. Amazing. And I imagine then going into hospitality, people were going to have that brand recognition to go, ah, oh, I've had that before. They were, you're already over that, that line, that hurdle of, you know, what do you choose? Um, will you, do you think you'll carry on doing the Zoom lessons or do you think, uh, you know, is there, is there a market for that, that actually it's a great way of connecting with your customers? Totally. Um, yeah, it was a, like it was, it was a beautiful accident, I, I yeah. think. And, um, you know, some good karma in there. We were trying to do mm -hmm. the right thing and we got an incredible commercial result out the other side. But yeah, we'll definitely keep doing them. I mm -hmm. think they're so important for our brand. Um, mm -hmm. That accessibility piece is important. Um, we don't want to be so aloof and have yeah. only bartenders know about it and, and be that sort of brand that's... Yeah. Yeah only available to the select few we we want to be that brand that's available for everyone be very egalitarian um yeah. so yeah it's definitely something we'll, we'll continue to do and then it's going to be really nice to see these guys back on the road as well yeah. um with the hospitality sector reopening mm. um, we're talking about it a little bit before this podcast and i truly see it it's it's a once in a generation or once in a lifetime reopening of the hospitality sector mm. And with my team, I've compared it to, you know, what happened in America after prohibition was lifted. Mm. There was a hospitality renaissance. Yeah. And I think we're about to see that. And if you look at the economics, you know, household savings are at their highest in 30 to 40 years. Yeah. Um, people have this real craving for human connection. Yeah. I live in the Netherlands and the Dutch have a, a really elegant word for it. I'm going to mispronounce it. I'm sorry, but it's, it's Houthonger or mm. skin hunger. Mm. Um, and <laughs> it sounds terrible, but I get it. It's that, that craving to be around other people. Yeah. Uh, that's skin hunger. It's, it's a strange word, but really aptly catches what yeah. I think people are feeling right now. Mm. So I think after that explosion of hedonism and excess, I think yeah. we're going to see the same tailwinds that are powering our category really change the shape of what's available behind the bar as well. And yeah. we certainly want to be part of that when it happens. Amazing. No, it's, it, it is going to be fascinating. And I'm really intrigued to see how hospitality adopts it. Something I'm really fighting for. I've written blogs on it around, you know, actually, you know, consumers are wanting this. They, they won't want just one non-alcoholic beer behind the bar. They'll want the choice. And actually, the more uh, more variety and, and flavors and everything that we can give, do you know what? People will get to that stage where it doesn't, you know, whether it has alcohol in it or doesn't, they're enjoying the drink for what it is, not, not because of the alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we've started to see, you know, the category approach maturity in places like Western Europe. So the mm. Netherlands and Germany and Belgium. You go into almost any bar, any restaurant, and the non-alcoholic beer section is almost half the size now of the full alcohol section. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, 30% of the category mm. and not out is, is incredible. Yeah. Um, so having, you know, six or seven variants on the menu there for people, it's, it's a really, really interesting thing. And beer really is leading the way in, mm. uh, in, the, in the whole of category space, inclusive yeah. of beer, wine and spirits. But I certainly think we'll see the same thing um, in the spirits category uh, in, in the very, very near future as mm. well. And, and, and do you, obviously, there's loads of talk about millennials, you know, and, you know, under 25s not drinking. Mm. Are you seeing that with your brand or actually are you finding that you're appealing more to an older demographic or what, what sort of thing are you finding as a brand? Yeah, so what's really interesting about having a range of analogues is if people don't know and like the flavours already, mm. then, you know, if they're millennials and they want to not drink, why would they yeah. pursue cocktail yeah. culture? Yeah. Um, so there's there's that there. Mm. Um, but at Lies, we say um, our drinkers are drinkers. And that's yeah. not to say that we don't serve the community that's abstinent for mm. medical all religious, psychological, mm. or personal choice reasons, um, they find their way to our brand and we're there for them. But the vast majority of the volume that we're seeing is from people who drink and who use our brand to moderate their drinking. Yeah. So it's like I'm not a weekday drinker or I'm having this over lunch or I'm doing an F45 or Orange Theory one month, one month body challenge and yeah. um, leave the alcohol category. Yeah. So that's where we're seeing incredible growth. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, that, that those heartland consumers, the abstinent community, um, they're there and they're the early adopters, mm. but the mainstream is starting to come in now and, and yeah. take some of those behaviours from the early adoption community and, and integrate it into their lives. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think what the other trend that we're starting to see and hear more and more is actually you say alcohol drinkers who are looking to cut down actually have a cocktail where it may be one alcoholic spirit but use liars you know to top up you know an american malt as the other flavor so that mm -hmm. it reduces that alcohol content uh, but still produces a great drink for sure and yeah look i've seen so many uh you know one unit negronis or one standard yeah. drink negronis so a shot of someone's favorite gin and then our italian orange and our uh, aperitif rosso makes a beautiful negroni mm. um still has you know the complexity and elegance of the original alcoholic spirit in the gin if that's what people are looking for um but we can round out that flavor profile and give them something that's um equally as enjoyable but um mm. not so much of a big boy drink yeah yeah no amazing no it's it is fascinating and I, yeah i'm intrigued to see you say where it goes and yeah it's just fascinating hearing your insights your stories where you know from your side how you've approached it um and and where where for people listening where best to find you um learn more about the brand the cocktails and everything yeah, for sure. So the best place to start is uh, at liars.co.co. Um, the website is available in uh, 14 different languages now. That was wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we sell directly to consumer in uh, 21 countries through the website, um, but we're available to consumers uh, in more than 41 countries now, wow. um, primarily through major retailers. Mm -hmm. um, so look for us on shelf. 
Um, and certainly look for us behind bars as yeah. uh, it continues to reopen. But yeah, the website is the best place to start, liars.co. Mm. Amazing. And I think, yeah, we're going to be seeing a lot more behind the bar and yeah, looking looking forward to that. So yeah, thank you very much for, for joining me today. It's been really good to hear the story and I'm sure we'll speak soon. Likewise, it's been great uh, chatting to you today, Johnny. Take care. Thanks for having Brilliant. me. Brilliant. Thank you.